the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. 602-508-0960 is the number. 602-5080-960. I've got uh, Mr. Bill here. I've got uh, young David and I've got uh, Miss Terry. Young David, you um, you should. You you will henceforth also be known as Grasshopper after, I think, young Peter. <laughs> young Grasshopper. Well, I think young Peter from Kung Fu. Are you familiar with the Kung Fu series from David Carradine? Mm. No, of David Carradine fan. Patience, Grasshopper. Patience. Patience. That's okay. that's where the phrase. I'm familiar from, with the Karate Kid. <laughs> from whence it comes. Well, I yes. And didn't he name him that based Something on like that? that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he did. I am uh, blown away by your generation, I have to tell you. You are a uh, notable and noble exception to it. We call you Gen Z, and uh, it may be at the end of the alphabet, but if it gets too much more force or power, it could be the end of the West. I'm looking at a Harvard-Harris poll, Harvard University-Harris poll that uh, was released this morning, survey of 18 to 24-year-olds, that is to say the youngest voting bloc, young voters, 18 to 24-year-olds, uh, uh, 49% of them believe that. Here's the question. Here's the question. Do you think the Hamas killing of 1,200 Israeli civilians on Israel can be justified by the grievances of Palestinians, or is it not justified? 49% said not justified. 51% said it can be justified. Yeah, it's about a 50-50 split. It 50%, 51, take. let's just call it for what it is, majority of Gen Z, 18 to 24, believe the killing of 1,200 Israeli civilians can be justified based on the grievances of Palestinians. I lost friends for being pro-Israel. I was pro-Israel right away on Saturday with the day of the attack. And, uh, and, and I lost friends over it, but that's okay, you know. 38%. Of that age cohort does not think the attacks on the Jews were genocidal in nature. Nearly 40% don't believe it was genocidal. 40% don't know their history. The Arizona Republic had a piece this morning on a rally that took place at ASU beginning in Tempe on Saturday morning. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free was the chant of the crowd as they marched over the bridge on University Drive, receiving honks of support from cars passing by. I think I made this point yesterday or the other day, but from the river to the sea does have its own special meaning. It means no Israel of any size. It means not even the 1947 United Nations partition plan. Now, for those that want to claim Israel is a colonialist or neo-colonialist or colonial settler power, whatever neologism they want to give to it, they have to work themselves into quite a pretzel of logic to get there because, first of all, uh, there is obviously uh, no country on whose behalf the Jews settled Israel, which is the definition of not only settlement but colonial 
colonial settlement, um, they have to uh, obviate that the United Nations granted that land to Arabs and Jews for which the Jews could proclaim a state and the Arabs could proclaim a state. So Palestine from the river to the sea means none of that. So obviating and um, eviscerating the United Nations Declaration of 1947 and then, of course, all other the, uh, all other uh, indigenous rights. I mean, it's a funny thing that the people who are marching from the river to the sea are probably the same people by about a factor of 99 to 1 who believe in not Christopher Columbus Day but Indigenous Peoples Days or Indigenous Rights or these indigenous statements we read before ASU events. You've heard one. I was with you when we heard one. Is there a people more <laughs> indigenous to Judea than Jews? So, you know, this whole neologistic argument falls not only on its face but the morality, the morality of an age cohort that can't see any of this um, is, I believe, not just Gen Z, end of capital, end of West. You can talk. Uh, it is it is scary. I think we have uh, lost about 40% of the population, not to say that we can't get them back, that they are lost without rescue, but that, uh, unfortunately, they have grown up in the hysteriosity of the current age and the revisionist history of the current age. Lest we forget the image that is on the PLO flag of the entire Levant, not mm. just um, the West Bank and the mm. Gaza Strip. Their emblem, you bet. Rather, the entire uh, from yeah. the Jordan River yeah. to the Mediterranean That's Sea. That's correct. So when they when they claim that and when they chant that, they are referring to yep. wanting and wanting to own the that, entire. And, and by the way, that's the moderate wing of the Palestinian political movement. The PLO is 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 Fatah, is the West Bank, is Mahmoud Abbas, is Yasser Arafat. And do you know what year, young grasshopper, the PLO was founded? 64. That's exactly right. I've listened. <laughs> you have I listened. I listen to three hours every day. What was bothering them in 64 were certainly not the lands of 1967. Well, in 64, the West Bank would have been owned by Jordan and Gaza would have been Egyptian territory. That's correct. And in both cases, they yes. were not a nation state. No, yeah. that's exactly right. I wanted to um, give you credit, David, for uh, pressing on us pressing on me a, a video you discovered, a firing line uh, debate from 19, not a debate, a discussion really, from 1986. You sent it to me on Sunday, I think it was, or Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. And you were, um, that's why you have the new, um, that's why you have the new nickname. The new nickname, The new moniker, Grasshopper. Yeah. Uh, you got mad at me for not watching it immediately. And I said, you got to give me a little bit of a chance uh, that. Um, well, what's better than a little Buckley on the weekend? Well, it wasn't a little. It was an hour discussion. An hour. That's short for him. But patience, Grasshopper, because I sent it to several of our friends, mutual friends. You know them all. Some are guests on this show. Some are contributors to this show anonymously. And they all thought it was fantastic and pertinent. So I want to recommend it to the audience. Do you want to describe what it was before you play a little audio of it? Or? I'd love to. I think I mentioned this to you yesterday in our final segment that you really ought to watch that video yeah. that we uh, sent over the weekend. Yeah. But uh, in 1976, Jonathan Netanyahu was um, killed in an Israeli raid in Entebbe, Entebbe Uganda. Uganda. Yeah. Uh, as part of the Idi Amin administration when he exiled many Kenyans. The following uh, years, 
Benjamin Netanyahu, who we see in the news every day, is the current prime minister of Israel, started an anti-terrorism institution. Here he is in 1986 on firing line as permanent Israeli representative to the United Nations, talking with William F. Buckley Jr. of conservative regard about his new book called How the West Can Win Against Terrorism. Yeah, and it's amazingly pertinent. Go ahead. Well, let me try to give an instance of what terrorism is not. In 1944, the British Royal Air Force sets out on a bombing mission. The target is the Gestapo headquarters in uh, Copenhagen. Perfect target. The planes loose the bombs, drop the bombs, and they miss. Instead of the Gestapo headquarters, they hit a children's hospital, and scores of children are horribly killed. This is an accidental, tragic outcome of war. This can happen. But it is not terrorism, because what terrorists do is target the innocent deliberately. And therefore, my definition of terrorism is the, innocent, the systematic and deliberate attack, the murder, maiming, and menacing of innocents, of civilians, for uh, political goals. Well, now, uh, was under that definition terrorism committed in Israel between, say, 1945-1948? Well, then on that basis, you can check anyone including Israel, and it matters not the identity of the perpetrator or the cause that he professes, but whether that definition sticks. Now, there are basically two celebrated instances that are uh, mentioned in this case. One is Dir Yassin, the other is King David, which happened to be the military encampment headquarters of the British in the Middle East. Uh, and these are basically the two instances. And now, one now hold it there, because that is exactly the very same debate we're going through right now. If you use a civilian institution for military purposes, as in part the King David Hotel was, for example, in what he's speaking of, we have that perfect representation of the debates over hospitals, schools, and mosques in Gaza that are being used, as I was describing yesterday, from aerial photography and satellite photography, aerial and satellite photography, of seeing missile caches put right there, put right in front of and under mosques, and under schools, and under church, and in uh, parking lots of churches, and outside of hospitals. What do you do? Who's committing the war crime? Those that put them there, that's what the Geneva Accord says, or those that are trying to take them out. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Young Grasshopper and I will be right back. No? Is this your one? Oh, I had to do it to him. Is this your one? Oh, sure. Why not? You, uh, <laughs> there's a picture of me floating around. I mean, didn't I... didn't even wait for the chorus. No, that's... Right, now we can go away. Oh, God. Just makes me want to impale myself having to hear that voice. Um, Michael, <laughs> never... I Never shall he appear here again. Young David, uh, young grasshopper. There's a picture of me going around I found from my very first trip to Israel in 1974. And I am, as a young man, holding a massive gun <laughs> that we, I was allowed to pose for a picture with um, from um, the Israeli Defense Forces. And for years I have asked people if they can identify the gun. We've had a hard 
time doing it. And we've asked gun experts. We've asked all kinds of people, and they couldn't quite place it. I thought it might have been a riot uh uh, machine gu- uh, a riot gun from South Africa, but young David did find it. I figured it out. It and was he the asked, real deal, well, real hold, on, hold on, hold on, and he said, "What is it worth to you if I tell you?" And I said, "I will give you one song, one song an hour, one song an hour." And he wasted his on Michael McDonald. But. Wasted on Michael McDonald. What was the gun, David? It was an RPK, yeah. and there will be uh, gun nuts in the audience that'll go wild about that. Yeah, yeah. with a drum. Yes, it was an RPK with a that's drum. The, that's and the distinguishing the characteristic. The stock and the bipod and yeah. everything, yeah. Romanian made at the time, I think. It might have been. Yeah. It was all over the Eastern Bloc, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it would have been, yeah, I think. And we looked up the service history, and yes, they appeared in the Yom Kippur War, yeah. so they would have They would have been around in 74, yeah. In Israel. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, I don't know if we can get that picture out somehow, somewhere, some way, but don't do it. I could do it. That yeah, the new we need to have show. a discussion about it. <laughs> Do you want to do it? You can put it up somewhere. The Seth Leaps show. You can, well, you can put Who it on. Who is this kid? Put it on Twitter if you want. You can put it on your Twitter thing. On my I'll, Twitter. You yeah. should put it on your Twitter. At underscore. No, it's uh, at underscore David at underscore doll, right? At underscore David underscore doll. That is correct. Yeah, at underscore David Twitter. underscore doll. Twix. Yeah. You, if you want to do it, you can do that's it. That's my Twix. All right, yeah. right. People may find it uh, amusing. Okay. So uh, we thought when we woke up this morning we would have a new Speaker of the House, Tom Emmer. Nope. Nope. Couldn't get the vote. Sayonara. Right. So we have now uh, dispensed with McCarthy. Uh, We have dispensed or blocked Scalise. We have dispensed with or blocked Jim Jordan. And now uh, we have uh, dispensed with and blocked um, Representative Emmer. Is it Tom Emmer? I think it's Tom Emmer. Uh, our dear friend and regular guest on Wednesdays, former Congressman John Shattuck, had an op-ed in today's Wall Street Journal, which is excellent, but I'm going to uh, argue with him on the conclusion. Uh, America needs a House Speaker, he writes in the Wall Street Journal. Representative Matt Gates and the seven other Republicans who voted to remove Speaker Kevin McCarthy are endangering America and the world. Because of their action, Congress has lost the ability to function. Lawmakers are powerless to act on behalf of the constituents they were elected to represent. These eight members surrendered the power of the House Republican majority, betraying the voters and their Republican colleagues. A motion to vacate the Speaker's chair without the votes to elect a successor is foolish. At best, it is pointless grandstanding. The eight dissidents claim to have acted to stop reckless spending. Overspending is a serious threat, but Congress can't do anything about it without a Speaker. Thus, it's impossible to defend their conduct as an act of principle. We face more existential threats now than we have at any time since 9-11. Southern border is wide open. Inflation is hurting every American family. Crime is rampant in our cities. The feckless foreign policy of the Biden administration, beginning with the humiliating and deadly exit from Afghanistan, has so weakened our standing in the world. Two wars are raging, either of which could spin catastrophically out of control. Mr. Gates and his seven Confederates claim they voted to vacate the chair because Mr. McCarthy had decided not to force another government shutdown because he wanted to allow more time for discussion in the face of so many unprecedented threats to the nation. While they were entitled to disagree, the decision to shut down the government wasn't theirs alone to make. True, Mr. McCarthy had agreed to a rule that any member could file a motion to vacate the chair. Doesn't make it right. No individual member of a legislative body is entitled to or is ever going to find a leader who precisely matches their views, his views. The eight Republicans rendered themselves and the entire Republican conference impotent. As members of the majority, they made an implicit promise to support its leaders and respect their colleagues by choosing to associate themselves with 
other members of the Republican Party. They assume a duty not to harm the party's, party's cause or their colleagues. No wonder the 210 Republican members who voted to keep Speaker McCarthy are livid. After numerous failed attempts to select a successor, no solution is in sight and Republican members are moving further apart. It is clear now that no member other than Kevin McCarthy commands the respect to be elected Speaker and that any further delay in choosing a Speaker hurts the Republican Party in America. The course of the nation depends on the character of its leaders. Mr. Gates and all of his Republican colleagues, conservatives, moderates, and others owe it to the institution and the nation to set aside their individual ambitions, reinstate Mr. McCarthy, and move forward with the nation's business. If they refuse, responsibility for the consequences will fall squarely on them. Why I said I disagree with the conclusion of John Shadigay, it's not a strong disagreement. If that will work, great. I'm all for it. If it doesn't work, here's an alternative idea. If McCarthy, for whatever reason, is too much of a climb down for those eight or others, if it is impossible, we have been told again, time and again, that, and it is true, that the Speaker of the House does not have to come from within the House. And people have floated various names over the past three weeks and back in January even when we were having this debate that maybe we should call back someone like Newt Gingrich. Uh, there was even a flirtation with Donald Trump at one point. Uh, I think uh, Lee Zeldin was mentioned two days ago, though no longer a member of the House. You want my idea? John Shattuck. I'm all for it. Put John Shattuck back in there. Who could disagree with him? Reasonable and yet conservative. He was the head of the Republican Study Committee. He was part of the class of 1994. I think he is beloved by Arizonans. I think he would get I, – I, that's what I'm going to push him on tomorrow. By the way, think about what ball we could be moving forward this week if we had a Republican Speaker of the House in his chair. This would be a great moment. A great moment to divide to divide the Republican Party and make them stand up and be counted on their Hamas supporting contingent in Congress. They could be having a censure debate right now on Rashida Tlaib right now. They could be doing that and making Democrats stand up and either support her or denounce her. And they can't and we can't. It would have been a great moment, a great moment. And it would have driven the Democrats crazy. Political malpractice. Our our uh, our friend uh, 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 Charles had written me a great piece. It has been more than two weeks since the boneheaded decision to oust Speaker McCarthy has taken place, and still there is no candidate available that has the needed amount of votes to replace number of votes to replace the vacated McCarthy. Matt Gates and his gang have managed to do what the Democrats themselves have been unable to do. They have divided the Republican party more than anyone else has in quite a while. It is not Marjorie Taylor Greene or Donald Trump that we can blame for this. They supported Jordan. So did the Democrats could not have asked for a better advocate to possibly get their candidate in place despite what is supposed to be a GOP majority. Yep. Right. We divided ourselves. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski brings us our culture and economy update. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. It's a great website. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to reach out to him. How are you this fine Tuesday, John? 
Fantastic, Seth. Thank you so much. I guess it would be leading the jury if I ask you how you are and say, fine Tuesday. I shouldn't have said fine. <laughs> always fine. I'm you always could, You could have objected to me leading the witness or yeah. misleading the jury. Now you know me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know you. I know you. You're always doing well. Uh, okay, well, this kind of interesting uh, corporate earnings report. Talk to us mm-hmm. about that. Came in a little better than expected, huh? Well, we're seeing this is this is earnings season. Mm-hmm. You know, every quarter we get uh, quarterly earnings from from all the different companies that trade publicly out there, and we're we're seeing a very uh, you know relatively strong uh, reporting season right now. And I'll give you an example today. Microsoft reported, and uh, their net income jumping twenty seven percent and uh, above estimates. And it looks uh, you know the stock was trading up sharply higher. Their earnings. Per share, two dollars and ninety nine cents per share versus two point six five dollars per share expected. So, mm-hmm. a pretty substantial um, difference. And this is uh, pretty. We're seeing this more uh, more often than not uh, this quarter in in reporting of earnings. And what I'm basically seeing here is is that you know there's a lot of negative negative news out there and a lot of doom and gloom out there. But corporate corporate earnings are are doing okay, and that's. Um, you know, we're seeing volatility in the markets, but generally speaking, we haven't really seen uh, a major, major pullback here uh, like we did last year. Good. Thank you. There are a lot of implications that come out of this, too, it seems to me, um, because people have had some real concerns, right, yeah. about I, I, taking on risks of investment with regard to all of this. Yeah, because of all of the negative news out yep. there and mm-hmm. everything that's going on in the political as well as uh, economic climate out there. Um, and, and I would say that uh, it really all depends on the person's time horizon when it comes to investing, Seth, right? So if you've got someone who's uh, close – I just spoke to someone um, these, this afternoon on, on the phone. Mm-hmm. He had called me, heard us on the radio, and, and wanted to talk a little bit about okay. And in his situation, he is in retirement already and just barely making it with, with his expenses versus his income and wanted to know what he should do regarding the excess dollars that he's living off of uh, in retirement. And I said, well, it sounds to me like you're you're living off of these investments right now. Probably not the best thing to invest them. Um, you know, wouldn't be as prudent because if if something major happened, you could lose that, and that's what he's living off of right now. But I would, I did come across an interesting CNBC article which talked about the average net worth of clients, yeah. or, I mean, of the Americans out there, yeah. based on age, yeah. and the average uh, net worth of uh, uh, up to less than thirty five years of age, one hundred eighty three thousand. Wait, do that again. If you're under thirty five years of age, average net worth, yeah, one hundred eighty three thousand, and that's it's all in possessions and stuff, not Pos- just cash. Everything right, in debt, everything. Right. Okay. That includes your debt, your net worth. Uh, and the, 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 the highest level is uh, the 65 to 74 age range. Age range. Age range. $1.794 million. There's a lot of millionaires out there. That's the average net worth. Uh, and we start to see a decline over the age of 75, which makes sense. People retired. Does every money. age cohort up until 75 increase? Yes, though? it does, uh-huh. interestingly. Uh-huh. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Uh-huh. The break point is after 74. Um, so which what I'm inter- getting at yeah, is – Go ahead, please. Yeah, this what, is great. Yeah, what I'm getting at is here people um, are concerned about risk. But if you've got time on your side, you want to build that net worth. That's your goal building your net worth so that you can retire one day comfortably and be able to live off of your investments. 
uh, and not run out of money before you run out of time, as I like to say. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is really an interesting um, perspective. Even though there's a lot of political turmoil, a lot of uncertainty out there in the world, historically the markets perform over years and years of time, and, and people certainly can uh, make a reasonable rate of return. Uh, if they invest properly and work with a good advisor. So um, this is just something for people to consider. I know it's a little bit concerning out there what's happening right now, but if you're investing for the long term, term and you're uh, on a fairly regular contribution schedule with your, with your uh, investment money, your retirement money, uh, that sometimes these um, pullbacks in the market, even slight or major, uh, are good buying opportunities for long-term investors. Nicely done, John. Thank you, sir. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and TIPIC, and an investment advisor. Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Thank Thanks. you, John. Thank you, mm-hmm. JD. Bye-bye. All right. You betcha. I'm Seth. 602-5080-960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960. David has been... Uh, Reminding me since, my gosh, October 5th, if I'm not mistaken, the poignancy of 50 years. October 5th was a Friday. And you said, you know, 50 years ago today was the beginning of the 1973 war. And we didn't say anything about it that day. It didn't – nothing gave us cause to think anything about it right secretary of state antony blinken was going around prattling and brooding about that times have never been more tranquil in the middle east and then of course october 7th and then what you just pointed out to me on break was 50 years ago Today. Fifty years ago today, the Nixon administration, mostly Henry Kissinger, brokered a peace agreement, which was officialized that following May, May of 74. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may disagree with you on this, but I really think we need a Nixon in the White House, somebody who said, when I'm going to get some flack for uh, helping Israel, I might as well go all out, so send everything we have. He said we're going to get flack either way, so send we might as well we get have. flack for doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Why would we disagree on that? You and I both like flack, and we both try to do the right thing. I'll never not be a Nixon man. (laughs) What? what? Oh, you like – I said I'll never not be a Nixon man. (laughs) Yeah, Nixon is an interesting uh, character in history. William Buckley described him as the Aztec calendar stone of the 20th century. You've heard me weigh in on him. Uh, 20th century just wouldn't be – certainly the second half of it wouldn't be what it was without him. Probably no one in many respects – at least as a matter of domestic politics, more touched the second half of the 20th century from his really beginning, I mean, you know, the beginning of the Alger Hiss case. That was Nixon. Whitaker Chambers versus Alger Hiss was all Richard Nixon and uh, the House Un-American Activities Committee, right? Mm -hmm. Known as HUAC or WAC. And then, of course, that propelled him into the vice presidency under Dwight Eisenhower and how important that was and of course the 1960 election which is still discussed and of course his own presidency which gave us all the gates you know whenever we talk about a scandal with a gate appended to it or uh, as a suffix it's because of Watergate also gave us the new version of journalism which is um, 
uh, investigative journalism, but only if it's Republicans you're investigating in or, right. or out of power, seemingly. Um, and he gave us Roe versus Wade. His Supreme, his Supreme Court gave us Roe versus Wade. It was, I mean, they were his nominees, his appointees that gave us Roe versus Wade. Uh, affirmative action, really, uh, beyond just what John Kennedy uh, had started. Uh, Office of Economic Opportunity. He gave us Don Rumsfeld. He gave us a lot. He gave us a lot, and I'm not even beginning to mention OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, EPA, Environmental Protection so some Agency. Some good, some, guy, some bad. You know, it's interesting for all the conservative uh, reputation he has. It wasn't such a conservative presidency. It's a mixed bag of things, yeah. He said uh, campaign, uh, campaign right govern left, right? Mm-hmm. Campaign conservative govern. Liberal. Thanks so, to him, we have a state of Israel right now. Huh? I said, but thanks to him, we have a state Still, of Israel Still, he was right the now. most beloved man for many years uh, in Israel from outside of Israel because of what he did during the 1973 war. Stamps, streets were named after him. And um, Soviet Union that w- threatened to send a military. Yeah. He put us to DEFCON 3 yeah. and said, all right. We're going to go tit for tat. Yeah. You think anyone takes seriously Joe Biden doing that right now? Nope. No. That war lasted about three weeks. And why does it feel like we're just getting started? And I was just – you read my mind. You read my mind. Uh, why does it feel like we're now just getting started? It's the now part that's tough here. The now part that's tough here is because there actually has been a war going on for a long time. And I know – uh, that there are a lot of concerns, and I know that there are a lot of deep concerns about bringing other countries into this war. Um, particularly, you hear this with regard to Iran, and this gets into the whole debate of state-sponsored terrorism that we were uh, uh, prefacing the show with vis-a-vis the Benjamin Netanyahu-William Buckley dialogue. By the way, you guys can get it. Anyone can get it on YouTube. Uh, Netanyahu on firing line and it's a failure of understanding to think that Iran has not declared war on us already the war has been with us for over 40 years I mean Iranians have attacked and killed Americans since the seventh, since the late 1970s, since 1979, they have been at war with us. Let us not forget the 241 Marines they had killed in Lebanon. Those were Americans that were attacked by Iran. Let us not forget the Kobar Towers, 19 Americans that were killed by Iran. Let us not cont- let, let us not forget those taking taken hostage. Americans like Bobby Stetham were killed by the Iranians. Let us not forget the over 1,200 U.S. troops that were killed in Iraq with IEDs and some of the worst form of machine weaponry by the Iranians over the last decade. They have been at war with us. When they chant death to Israel, death to America, the question is, who's going to believe it and when? It's not that we're trying to avoid a war. It's that a war has been declared. Now, with a lot of Americans and Israelis dead as a result. The question of how to fight it is its own question. I would submit 
that Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan had the pretty right idea about it. There is a reason the hostages who were held for the 52 American hostages who were held for 44, 444 days were returned the day Ronald Reagan was inaugurated as president, not a single day during the Carter presidency when they were taken in the first place. And I would submit that there was no more Pax Middle East and a uniting of Arab nations and Israel than under Donald Trump, who, by the way, had a pretty good idea on how to contain Iran. Quit paying them. Quit funding them. And when their terrorist leaders threaten the lives of Americans, take them out. Take them out. We were more peaceful. Antonin Blinken, Antony Blinken, when he said we have never had more peace in the Middle East than right now, when he said that a couple months ago, couldn't have been more wrong. And there are bragging rights for when that was achieved. And that was achieved circa 2017 to January of 2021. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are sponsored by the great people at Y-Refi. They are great people. It's not just that they offer a great investment. They're active in our community doing great work there as well. You can visit with them. They're on Scottsdale Road and the 101. You won't get a sales pitch, but uh, they love talking about what it is that they do. You won't be asked to sign anything either. What it is that they do is they have investments in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. Should you be concerned about bank failures or the stock market's volatility or even a possible recession? And it's a ton of flexibility. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. But you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. And no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. No penalty. There are no fees in this secure, collateralized portfolio offered up by Y-Refi. It is secure and collateralized. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm and um, offers up to a 10.25% rate of return, 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. There are, I, the word existential gets overused. There are existential questions that are going to come out of this moment, I think. And um, one of them, and the one that will define the survival or the death, one that will either prove to have been the death knell of the West or our ability to summon what it takes to turn it around, will be found in what is taking place amongst David's, young David's, uh, young grasshoppers um, generation right now. Uh, this is an astounding, I'll repeat it, I spoke of it earlier in the day, an astounding revelation from Harvard Harris polling that a majority of voters, 18 to 24, say that the killing of 1,200 Israeli civilians, which is a bigger number now, uh, is justified based on the grievances we uh, live in a grievance society, of course, which seems to be an adjunct of what Philip Reith once called the, he's a sociology professor at UPenn, once called the triumph of the therapeutic, and that you can rationalize and 
justify anything based on the strength of a grievance. This, of course, is not only um, uh, Freudian, but it's based on Marx, and hence the justifications you read in such literature as Franz Fanon, Marxist writer, The Wretched of the Earth, and Jean-Paul Sartre's defense of terrorism in it against any grievance you can justify this kind of um, Stygian dark violence. Whether we can course correct or not this growing tide of um, young super predator apologists will be the question that will be the question of the next generation and the generation after that. And if not answered correctly, probably won't allow for a third iteration of it. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 